Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for May 21st of 2021. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh for HockeyHeads.com. This week's podcast, we will be discussing the first round playoff series between the New York Islanders and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, this is being recorded after Game 3, before Game 4. The Penguins have a 2-1 to series lead after a very uh, action-packed, entertaining, and uh, wild third period uh, in Game 3 where the Penguins kept uh, responding and bouncing back with goals and ultimately ended with Brandon Tanev's game-winning goal with not much time left in the third period. So the Penguins, after dropping the first game, are ahead in the series 2-1. to one. They will be on Long Island at Nassau Coliseum for potentially the final time ever for anybody, as this is Nassau Coliseum's last year. So if uh, the Penguins string together two consecutive wins, uh, that will be it for Nassau Coliseum. Uh, the Islanders certainly showed some fight in Game 3, so we'll have to see how things shake out. But uh, what are your thoughts so far through three games? Pittsburgh are the better team, but it doesn't necessarily mean they'll win the series. I feel like that's the way hockey works. Um, it, it, it's, I watched Game 3 last night, and I actually said to my wife while I was watching it, Geez, Jeff Carter's made a huge difference in regards to the way the forward depth of this team fills out. And when Malcolm's not in the lineup, obviously Pittsburgh's a bit thinner and the gap between the two teams is smaller. Um, but when they've got the three big guys down the middle, um, they just look the better team. That's the way it's felt the three games I've watched. Yeah, um... The Jeff Carter thing, for sure, and even it, I mean, Jeff Carter's been crazy good. He has 12 goals in 17 games, so let's That's just nuts. say that. <laughs> he was shooting a, I don't know if it was career worst, I think it was his worst in 14 years shooting percentage this year. He, he was going to regress. I think he's gone well beyond that, and we're probably going to see it come swinging back the other way, which is fine because you can't take the goals away that helped the Penguins win the division and win games in the playoffs so far. So Jeff Carter and Taylor Hall are sticking out as the two best trade acquisitions. At least uh, I don't think I'm forgetting anybody that's quite no, been at that level. Yeah. Uh and it's huge. It's such a huge thing. And to think, after Nick Benino, Rutherford chased his tail and, and drained how many assets to try and find a third-line center? And Ron Hextall comes in and makes one move, and it's a conditional third- and fourth-round pick. Yeah, And, and hit it out though, of the park. But um, Hextall doesn't, didn't have the, I've got to look out for Tom Wilson blinkers on at that point either. He could have, but Rutherford went mental. So that really helps when you're trying to find a center. You're not picking Jeff Carter to try and worry about Wilson. You're getting Carter because you go, we need third line depth scoring who can maybe fill in if one of the top guys gets injured. 
and Carter fits that bill perfectly. He's a volume shooter as well, so even if he does regress back to his back to his career shooting percentage, he's the most frequent shooter on the Penguins. He just looks and just shoots. He doesn't care. It's great. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's working right now, so there's that. Yes. Uh, but I will say about the other, uh, even after the Tom Wilson snafu of wrecking the roster to, for, for that reason, uh, Rutherford still went through Broussard, Bugstad, and this year his big plan was Mark Jankowski. <laughs> so um, just one move reshaping the third line has made the Penguins a contender again because you have the Penguins' uh, quote-unquote fourth line, which by time on ice, they are not the fourth line right now. They're having a, a very good series, and Mike Sullivan's actually trying to match them against the top line for the Islanders, which I uh, like to see. Yeah. And that fourth line being not relied on as, like, the bottom six line, and there's a crappier line below them, um, it's really nice that they can just do their thing and there's still three other scoring lines that can put the puck in the net even uh, if the fourth line's not exactly a scoring line. And I'll say this, they got the game-winning goals in game three, so it's really nice that Jeff Carter scored twice. And the Tanev goal is the game-winning goal, but... You also had the other depth scoring that, that gave him the chance to have that kind of position to have a game-winning goal as opposed to it just being, um, you know, a goal to make it a two-goal game that they're trailing or something like that. So uh, I guess my long-winded point is the depth scoring is legit for Pittsburgh in this postseason, and every line has been appropriately slotted to do the things that they do best at. And that's all I've really been trying to say the last few years on what they need to do to build another potential, maybe not even championship team, but a team that can make a, a legitimate push. Well, and they have it right more now. More than two out of ten. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, Jeff Carter is a huge component of that. Evgeny Malkin coming back, a huge part of that. In fact, I believe he had two primary assists, one being on the power play on a power play that hadn't been looking all that great against the Islanders because the Islanders' penalty kill is a strength. The Penguins have the fifth-best power play in the regular season. The strength on strength had been going uh, the Islanders' way. So uh, great to see Geno back. He, he looked good in the sense of, like, moving around and that kind of stuff. So, they in, like, as far as an injury, like, he was moving around well. Uh, they were hemmed in their own zone quite a bit, and I had I do have some thoughts about Jason Zucker continuing to be on that line, even though he scored, and I get it. And I had a tweet <laughs> like right before he scored, mentioning flip him with Gensel, flip him with McCann, or scratch him. Those are three options you could do. Um, I'm not really on the scratch him train uh, at all, but I am curious to make a switch because the Malkin Zucker combo hasn't been great and i know the goal happened but it wasn't like because the line was working really well or anything like that he the puck kicked out to him and he made an amazing backhand forehand release it was a great goal but right before it i almost sent a tweet 
like giving him a hard time because he flubbed the puck and it left the zone. Like there was no pressure I, on him. I had literally said to Kylie, I don't know, two minutes before the it wouldn't even have been two minutes. Zuko looks like a goal scorer who's forgotten he was good. Yeah. It's like all the all the simple things. Hockey's become hard for him at the moment. Quite clearly, he's trying his ass off, and it's, he's just overthinking it. And then that happened. That was a bang bang. Really, I don't know how Malcolm got an assist on that. It fell off his stick. I actually think it got knocked off his stick. Went to Zucker, and I've gone to Kylie. Well, that's definitely a goal scorer's goal, isn't it? It was and tremendous. It was. Tremendous release. It was. But they just don't look fluid together. You know, you, you watch Malkin and Kapanen out there together when they're working, you know, working as a pair, and they look like they get what's going on. Those two just don't seem to have any chemistry at all. And look, who knows? Maybe things will will, will slip and slot in, in Zucker's head and away he goes, and, and Malkin will feel a little better about handling what Zucker does as well. But, yeah, it hasn't looked great. He's just one of those guys where with Malcolm, it just doesn't seem like it works it happens players don't click I thought Zucker did well with Crosby when he first came to the team yeah but I, you're right they could flip Gensel but they're just not going I to I know I know that's why I gave well, the you got the scratching no no <laughs> the other one's switching with McCann I think it's the likeliest I don't think they're going to make a switch based on the fact they won and coaches yeah. don't usually change a winning lineup um, I'll say this about the top line. They haven't really been great for a month. No, but the bonus you've got is that every team they play against has to treat them like they might be. And because of that, they're always going to get the top pairing and the and the whatever they want to do shut down wise. Every single time. They haven't been awful. Haven't. I don't want to make it No, 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 no. But that's... That's the bonus of having a line that has traditionally been ridiculously awesome. Is that when they do temper off a little bit, every team still throws their best at them, meaning the other three lines don't have to deal with that problem. And as soon as they go, these guys aren't killing us, let's concentrate on the line that does, that's when they get a couple of favourable matchups in a game and they can score. And that's the, the reality. It's, it's one of the things with, with Boston in regards to that freaking top line. They may not score much on you, but you're constantly throwing your best out there to stop them. And then as soon as you don't, they kill you. So I, I'm, I'm more than happy with what they've been doing. Not, you, not that you were saying you weren't. No, they're going to draw attention, and, and they should, because second you stop paying attention to them for what you exactly what you said they're going they're going to make things happen but it does open up stuff for the other three lines and i do think there are some change like that change put zucker with carter and i'd like to see mccann who who's a great shooter in his own right play with a pass first center i don't want to call malkin pass first per se but he's a playmaker whereas carter um I don't want to shortchange him either. He he's a he's a well-rounded player, very smart, and um, but he's going to shoot first more than Malkin, right? Like oh god, yeah. <laughs> at this stage, um, I just think it would be interesting to see McCann back with Malkin and Kapanen, um, just to see what would happen there. It doesn't have to be a permanent switch. None of this has to be permanent. And then Zucker can uh, wheel and deal with Carter 
in Goudreau, and I don't think you would lose anything. I don't think Carter would like be scoring less goals because Zucker's on his line versus McCann, um, because a lot of it's been Carter-centric anyways. Yeah. So the other change I would make, potentially, um, after watching Carter score on the power play is maybe bump Brian Rust off of the power play and give the hot hand Jeff Carter a chance as a righty on that power play. I mean, if he's going to score 12 goals in 17 games, fuck, throw him out there. See what happens. What happened last game was he scored a very important goal. He did. So, again, it doesn't have to be a permanent thing. Brian Russ can always return back to the power play in time. But I'm not so sure you don't want to ride the hot hand. And with Malkin back, Sid, and um, Gensel, and Latang, I, I do appreciate Russ's ability to skate the puck and get in um, and help on the breakout kind of stuff. But I don't think by switching him out and putting Carter in, I'm not concerned about the breakout. No, 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 I agree. I, I get the argument too, but you don't lose anything with Carter jumping in because he can do it himself as well. So Yeah, so even um, even late in games, it would be interesting to see if Mike Sullivan shortened the bench and put McCann and Carter with Malkin or something like that during crunch time. Like if they were chasing a goal and just played the top line in that one. Things of that nature. Um, I guess the overall point is Mike Sullivan has a lot of options that he could go with because the depth is appropriate for a contending playoff team finally. Yes, because Evan Rodriguez is, I think, a playoff caliber player and he's he got sat. If he's your 13th playing. forward, I'm good. Yeah, correct. Because it means Jankowski is like your 17th Oh, he's not even forward. in the conversation anymore. Correct. Which is what the team needed compared to where they started. Because so. even if a center goes down, they'll just bump Goudreau to center and, and move Rodriguez into right wing. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks it looks better for them, which is, you know... Which is it's been great. What have you What have you thought of the three games thus far? What have your thoughts been on the type of hockey we've watched? I thought Penguins played an all right first game, even though they dropped it. I wasn't really too upset with how they played. I thought the second game was really good. The first period they dominated. Shot attempts twenty eight to fifteen. Most impressively to me, the best period of the entire series for Pittsburgh. Third period of game two. They out-attempted the Islanders 27-15 to in the third period with a lead. And we know score effects, especially in the playoffs. Teams sit on the lead and don't want to continue to send four checkers. The Penguins were aggressive sending two four checkers. They put the pedal down and just crushed the Islanders. Any hope of coming back because they played to win, and I love seeing that. It's really not easy to do that. So I want to highlight how impressive that period was. And the only faux pas was Brian Rust pulling a really terrible Darius Kasparaitis impression. <laughs> <laughs> and the Penguins and Jari. And Jari, by the way, in game two, really good. 
he saw a, you know a number of shots and um, kept things um, where they needed to be. Game three, I mean, Jari wasn't horrible, but on one of those goals, hit uh, the Bolivia Bolivier goal. He um, oh yeah. He's trying to block the cross ice cross crease pass with his paddle instead of keeping it at his five hole and you know Olivier's just like okay I guess I'll just ram this through your legs because yeah um, your stick's not there uh, that one bothered me quite a bit because I know it's a power play but you got to trust that your defenders have your backdoor pass there you have to have your stick there you can't give up a gimme like that. Uh, but he did make it's, some strong saves, especially the one that led to the melee, where he stood strong and kept the puck frozen with his glove, even though he got pushed in the net, he kept his glove out. Yeah, and then all was, hell uh, broke loose. That scrum was so stupid. But well, I, I think I think the thing that annoyed me the most about the scrum is we just had the Tom Wilson garbage based all around scrums, right? And this is pretty much the same thing. The refs do not get... The refs and the linesmen do not get there and say, right, that's on you, you're off, and then tell them, I've taken one, if anybody else does something, I'm taking the... You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't happen that way. How you end up with 10 players in a box from one scrum shows you that they're not trying to decide... And the wrong five for Pittsburgh. Well, and that's the other thing. It's like... Pittsburgh is sort of trying to say they're really proud of not getting suckered into shit, right? There does come a point when you're human when you do have to respond. Because you just your frustration just boils up. I mean, the Gensel slash was, considering everything that was going on, was silly. You can't you kind of can't afford to do that when it's Isn't that the one that gave the them the power play? Yes, that's Which sort was of so what weird, I mean. like that all of that yeah. and the Penguins were down. I thought Scott Mayfield deserved at least a double minor for for punching Dumoulin in the back of the head, and it wasn't just yeah. like a push to the... He totally unloaded, Yeah. pretty obviously. Yeah. I mean, you sit there, and if you're, the, if you're the head of officials and you're talking to the guys after the game about it, and it's like, sorry, you two are not getting another game in the playoffs. You, you, you missed so much in amongst that, and Pittsburgh ended up with it because of a, a deserved slash at the end. Like... Seriously, I it just I watched that and I went, what is going on here? Like I I watched I watched the game after knowing the result, right? But I could have imagined what I was like watching it live. Yeah, I'd have been throwing shit through the TV. I was kind of mad though at that line. Um, so let's be honest, the hockey stuff isn't going as well for the Islanders as it did a couple years ago. They're not as disciplined as far as. Um, their ability to shut down the Penguins' uh, transition or breakouts or anything. And a lot of that has to do with this isn't the Penguins team from two years ago. This is the Penguins team with a lot more depth. Um, Jack Johnson is not on the Penguins anymore. Like Mike Matheson is like the one you worry about the most making mistakes, but he's not, he's not in even close to being like that kind of defenseman that will cost you an an entire series. He's still going to do some positive things mixed in with some bad things. So it's wildly different. And 
all they're left with is trying to drag the hockey through the mud. And to give them credit, they did that in the third period, and quite frankly, it worked to the extent yep. that they took the the Penguins' best five-man unit, Crosby, Rust, Gensel, Latang, Dumoulin, all off, and that's a huge and 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 a power play. Yep. How how better could you script it for the Islanders? And Pittsburgh can't can't do that. Um, they they just gotta. They can't go the 2012 Flyers shit. They can't. They can't go truculent. Right. Right. Um, if they just keep pushing north, they're gonna have to absorb some late hits that aren't gonna get called because you know it's the playoffs. They're in Nassau Coliseum. All the mouth breathers from Long Island are in there, hooting, hollering, whining that every little thing that happens to the Islanders doesn't get called, and you just got to stay disciplined, stay the course, stick to the hockey stuff, and hurt them where it counts the most. People want to talk about the Penguins' response. I think Bob Grove tweeted out there were, there are three occasions where the Penguins scored like a minute and a half after the Islanders scored last game. That's a response. Yeah, they've done a really good job of yeah, done a really good job of bending but not breaking. Like, you think about it. They lost game one, and you're like, oh, okay, that's not great. Responded with a good win in game two. In game three, every time they got challenged, they responded with a goal. And it was like, when it got tied 4-4, they really could have just gone, oh, we've got another game, we can do it then. But and was that the goal that went off Clutterbuck like an accident? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's hockey. There's nothing you can do there. No, and, and and that's the thing. It's like I I think the the last two incarnations of this Pittsburgh team would have kind of dropped their bundle. Oh, they'd be cooked. Yeah, and this just feels like a different group of players this time around, and there are still a lot of the same players from those two groups that did would would have just dropped their bundle. So it is very interesting when the the key players around the key players in the team feel like they've been given a decent chance by the type of players that are around them. They don't drop their bundle. Well, depth's, and, depth's a hell of a thing because somebody uh, tweeted out today uh, something that I thought was interesting. It was... Um, uh, let me find it. I have it right here, I think. Come on, buddy. Get that memory hole. Uh, Chris Thompson. Um this strikes me as the kind of series Crosby would get absolutely trashed for when their depth was poor. A few less bottom six goals, and the entire narrative is Crosby only has one point in three games. Instead, he's being largely praised for his work that hasn't produced goals. Uh, yeah. Yeah, correct. Sidney <laughs> Crosby saved good. the game with a defensive play. Let's not uh, brush that or gloss over yeah. that. But yeah. it is true. In years past, if, if Brandon Tanev does not score that goal and Jeff Carter doesn't have two goals, you're talking at least three goals from the, the bottom six. Yeah. What are we talking about? What? Where's Sid? Remember the 2013-14 series against the Rangers? Absolutely no depth. It was the last Shero 
uh, team before oh, he got canned. Yeah. And Sidney Crosby had a bum wrist. Do you remember he hurt his wrist and he was still playing really great? He just wasn't scoring goals. And he had Brian fucking Gibbons on his wing. Oh, that's right. Who who took the blame? Well, it's always it's, it's the way sports works. It was it's sick. always the top first. It's it's how it goes. But it, I thought that was an astute point. Like, I don't think Sid's playing point. bad. But it's a hell of a thing that he can get the credit due because other people are scoring, even though if they weren't scoring, it wouldn't have changed the job he's doing. It's well, funny, I mean, it's, it's funny I how said, that works. Well, yeah, I mean, Barzell's copped a little bit of hasn't quite done enough sort of thing. And it's kind of the, you know, he's the Crosby-level player on that team, and they're losing, and so he's copping the flack for not producing when it's like... Well, don't put you know, Leo fucking Komarov on his line. How about that for starters, Barry? Yeah. Jeez. You, 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 are, you are right. It does feel like Trotz goes, we can't go head-to-head with these guys. We've got to muck it, as opposed to let's just try and out-hockey them. Oh yeah, they're gonna they're gonna come out tomorrow afternoon and throw a bunch of hits, and the Penguins can take the bait and get away from what hit made them a division winner and a six and two record against the Islanders in the regular season. I don't I don't mind the Islanders hitting. That that's not the thing. That's not what caused that scrum garbage. What caused that scrum garbage is the fact that you at some point have to like if you keep getting whacked in the chin in a scrub at some point you have to do something to fight back because the linesmen aren't getting in there quick enough to stop you from getting hurt you can and turn that's away. what's going to happen soon you can turn away you can turn your body away you don't have to stay there face to face well they D- need to do that way situation. better than they did in game three because I I, well, I think we said after the Wilson one that the games go for too long. This is why. This is absolutely why. So, good luck. <laughs> and, um, yeah. I think the other thing working for the Penguins so far is... And it's unfortunate because it's an injury-related thing. Semyon Varlamov doesn't look quite right. Like he's not no. playing well. Yeah, and I rate Varlamov, but it's. I find it interesting that they just went straight back to him without going with the game one winner because I didn't think he was terrible in the win. I don't blame him for for going back to. Varlamov, because he, he's a good goalie and had a great year. I think with, with the two-game sample being what it was, not not just two losses, but he, he gave up five goals last night. Which, you know, that's, that's just not going to cut it. I suppose the thing for me about that is, it's like Shishterkin, isn't it? Is that how you say it? We'll is it Sorokin? Sorry, sorry, got the wrong goalie. Yes, it's Sorokin. Thank you. He um, he won game one. I know you sit there and... Because if Varley's not 
you need, you need to sit there and go, all right, well, we won game one with with this guy. Let's go and win game two with that guy and give Valamov more time to recover. I just I just feel like they dragged him back in too early. And goal is one of those positions where you kind of can't flub your way through it. And yeah, and the with the, you don't have a luxury with a seven-game series either. Like, you got to... You got to make the right choice, and it's not always easy, especially when nah. you're talking about uh, a guy with a great sample yes. for the season. But to this point, it hasn't worked. So I'll be interested to see what they they do tomorrow, and to see how yeah, Jari but... does, because really he's only got the one good game. Uh, honestly, he the Penguins could be up three nothing right now. <laughs> it does it does feel he's. Uh... Up and down, up and down, up and down. But he's got a terrible road record. I saw some of the stuff you sent out. It's like, oh, and obviously Bob Grove as well. It's like, good grief, man. It's not like you're playing in a hoarded castle when you don't play at home. Like, and I'm not huge on those home road stats, but I just thought they were so dramatically different. It was worth mentioning. It is. And look, he just needs to be average, and they get out of the, they get out of here three one. Right? Yeah, it gets below average, and it could be tied going back to pit. So, or they could um, uh, be three-one because they played Verlamov again. <laughs> well, yeah, that is yes, that is true. Um, um, but they're not going to go. They're not going to go past the next round if he can't play well away from Pittsburgh. That's. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because this is far from over. But uh, the last thing I want to say about uh, the series isn't about this series. Oh, the Washington-Boston series couldn't be playing out any better for somebody in the Pittsburgh-New York series. Beating the shit out of each other, overtime, every one of the games. In fact, it's a league record, 12 consecutive one-goal games between the two teams. That's uh, ridiculous, and almost all of them have been OT, right? I don't know if that's a playoff or combined with regular yeah, season or not. I don't know. I think it might be. Uh, I, I can't pretend to know. I just know it's 12 in a row, one goal games, and every game in that series has gone to overtime, and they are beating the shit out of each other. I mean, you can't script it any better. No. you, you Yes, watching it as a, as a Penguins fan or as an Islanders fan, you have to be sitting there going, keep doing what you're doing, boys. That's good for us. Right. Even if Pittsburgh, even if this series goes to seven, they've only played one, one extra period at the moment, and that wasn't a long extra period. And this series is nowhere near as, as uh, physical as the. No, even with all of what was in the third period, it hasn't been like that the whole time. No, no but the thing is though, that that to me is not physicality. No, but, I hear I hear what you're saying. Because what the Capitals in Boston are doing, it is brutal. They are shift hard to shift, it, hockey-related brutality. Yeah, yeah, and that's the stuff that makes this sport great. That kind of gear, not the garbage that's going on now in the Pittsburgh series. So if the Islanders come out and do what Boston and the Capitals are doing to each other, to Pittsburgh, and they win, I'm like, yeah, sure, that's fine. That doesn't bother me. I mean, I'm pissed as a Penguins fan, but that's at least hockey physicality. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Well, this week's going to be a little shorter than normal. Um, 
my daughter needs to get to her travel soccer game, and I don't think she's going to care or give a crap about this podcast. That's just my guess. <laughs> I think you're so, right. Let's get you out of here. I look forward to seeing um, how each, both teams respond to tomorrow's game at 3 p.m. So it should be uh, pretty good, and um, I look forward to it. So uh, I guess we'll catch you next time. See you guys. Oh, 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 oh,